Welcome to the Defend the North podcast. I'm your co-host, Dana Eisfeld. I'm joined today by the man who thinks Rocco Baldelli's iPad must be infected with a virus. How else would it tell him to keep pitching Alex Colome in the eighth inning every single night? The man on the Wonder Wall who chanted only slightly off-key for most of Minnesota United's home game last night in front of a full house at Allianz Field in St. Paul. And the man who thinks after losing their first round draft pick this year to the Golden State Warriors, Timberwolves Nation needs to put on their big boy pants. Cat Anton Delo just might be the answer. And that's the guy that I call my cousin Isaac. Cuz, how are we doing? Man, good to be here. Yeah, like fifth time in seven nights I've seen you. <laughs> Gotta say, the other night was pretty fantastic and... We're going to talk about it later, but ooh, still. Which one? Which one? The the the, the uh, we went to the St. Paul Saints game last Thursday. Got to see Kepler in action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went yeah. went over two, and you know, part of his recovery. And <laughs> I saw you at our cousin's graduation party at your parents' barbecue. <laughs> I saw you at Minnesota United. I'm kind of getting sick ooh. of you. That was that was going to be my next question. So I wanted to cancel tonight, but I, I, you know, defend the North, push through, right? Like. <laughs> Defend the North. Do it for the pod. Do it for the pod. Do it for the pod. I'm just like this guy. So, yeah. What do we got but, tonight? Well, we got a busy lineup tonight because we're gonna have uh, we're gonna bring back our player spotlight that's been on ice. Um, that guy's Jose Barrios, as you like to call him, Barrios. Um, <laughs> then we're gonna move into the Twins, the, the you know the teams of the summer, the United, and we're gonna finish up with a little bit of talk about the Timberwolves. Draft lottery because there's a lot of thoughts we have about that, but let's start tonight with with Mr. Uh, Jose Barrios. Jose Barrios, the I'm 27 his name all the time. So it's okay. Just, yeah. just keep calling him Barrios or keep calling <laughs> Barrios. Keep calling him Barry. Whatever you whatever whatever comes flows off your tongue. Barry. The fact <laughs> of the matter is, he's a 27 year old from Puerto Rico, hmm. and do you know he was part of the supplemental pick in 2000, the 2012 draft for the loss of what Twins player? I'm glad I looked this up today. Otherwise, I'd be clueless. Ooh. But Michael Kadire. Michael Kadire. That's it. That's it. That's <laughs> it. In the same draft as current Twins player. Buxton. Byron, Byron Buxton. Buxton. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so Barrios is, is, is promoted to the big league club in 2016. By the way, his wife, his wife's sister is the wife of Javier Baez. Did you know that? I just figured that out today, too. Yeah. Oh, man. Our research is lining up good. <laughs> What, what's his nickname? What's his nickname? Well, I'm going to let you pronounce it correctly, but it's the machine. But it, it, what, what is it actually? I mean, it's La Machina. There we go. La there we go. Yeah. So I think we need to start doing research on different websites um, and listening <laughs> to different podcasts. So what two years was he? This is turning into a game show tonight. But Isaac, what two years was he in the All-Star game? Oh, I don't know if I have the exact years here, but it was it – was, uh, Let's see. It would have been eight. Was it eighteen and nineteen? Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> I think you might be a good contestant for Final Jeopardy, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> All right. Let's do something from this year. What's his record? Uh, he's seven and two. You're cheating. Two You're 14. cheating. You're looking at your notes and you're cheating. Well, I might be, but you, you know, know what? that's what I got him for. Alex Trebek and Aaron Rodgers would never allow cheating on Jeopardy. Do you think Baldelli's cheating when he's looking at his tablet? Is that is that cheating technically? <sighs> Man, he needs to find a different person, a thing to cheat off of, because it's uh, those are not good results. Those are like straight D's right now. Okay. No, I'm not calling it cheating. I'm calling it like 
failure. All right, sorry. Well, one guy that is not failing for this Twins team this year, and you know, I I was uh, watching an interview between Jose um, Brios this year. Um, he was being interviewed by the one and only two-time Cy Young Award winner, Twins pitcher Johan Santana, and mm. a lot of wins between those two guys. Much more yeah. with a guy that's retired, but the guy that we're talking about tonight has 55 wins as a Minnesota twin, 40 losses. And as you said this year, he's seven and two, 3.56 ERA, which is the lowest ERA of his career. And, you know, I keep telling you that you keep telling me that's not good enough. (laughs) And I think here's the thing we can get into a little bit about who he is and, you know, what we expect from him. But, you know, I, I, we've been talking a lot about the Jacqueline height, right? Like the, the, the black and white sides of Jose Barrios and, 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 I wonder if we think about him in the wrong way because he shows us with his pitches and the way that he can dominate a game flashes of a guy that could be an ace, right? But yeah. year to year, he's never been an ace. He's been a solid Scott Erickson, Brad Radke, like you can count on me. I'm going to stay healthy. I'm going to pitch, well, I guess in this era, you know, 150 innings is like 280 20 years ago, but he's he's, he's going to like get you six and a third innings a lot of nights, right? Yeah. And you know, is he a true ace? I don't think so. But is he a really good major league pitcher? I mean, yeah, I would say so. His his consistency is is pretty good actually. Looking at his stats, which I didn't I didn't think would be, but you know, he's got this Jekyll and Hyde type of of pitching, but yet like year to year he's. Um, he's right, right around that that four mark with ERA, maybe a little under. But I also think, like, you know, I, I don't think you can quite rule him out as an ace yet. Just doing some research I did today, like, he's still got so many years left in him. Like, what, what's crazy about baseball is, I mean, look at Nelson Cruz. You can be, you can be in your forties and still make be making an impact on this, you know, on on a baseball team. And especially with pitching, like people pitch into their mid thirties and upper thirties. And I would probably use J.A. Happ at this point as an example. But um Are you sure not... you want to use J.A. Happ as an well, example? Yeah, I was gonna say let's let's not let's not talk about that because uh <laughs> that that's that was good for a little bit, but uh not not so good anymore. Like four so, starts uh, in April. That was that's when it was good for. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So uh I think but what you kinda have to look at though is you know, he's he does only have one year of, of team control left. So it's like you have to start asking, you know, who is this guy and how do you pay him? Like, because if he's not your ace, but, you know, are we going to pay him as our ace? Is that going to be worth it? Is he going to turn into an ace? Because to me, I think that there's still, that's still possible. Like watching this guy pitch, when he's on, he's on. Like he, he does show ace stuff. Now, like the strikeouts and stuff, like you, you think about his wicked pitches and the movement he has on, on some of his pitches, and you'd think he'd have more strikeouts, but, you know, he's still only at about a, a strikeout an inning guy, you know, right, right around nine through nine innings. And you look at some of the, the guys with like the really nasty stuff, and they're like double digits, um, through nine. You pair that strikeout rate with, with the like lower amount of walks. Like typically, like the really good pitchers have above four, above five um, strikeouts compared to walks, like five to one sort of deal. And he's still like this year. He's he's actually showing a pretty good pretty good mark. He's a four point one four yeah strikeouts for every walk, which is impressive for his career. It's his, it's his best mark so far, even better than his two uh, All Star seasons. So if if he can keep improving on that, you know, I I think we we could have something here. It's just. 
the timing is what sucks because it's like you have to decide very soon are you going to wrap this guy up are you going to sign him long term or are we going to try to like figure out what we can get back for him and so i think that's going to be kind of the hard balancing act that you know the twins organization has to figure out like what accounts for the fact that he's seven and two and he has a 3.56 era the lowest era of his career the lowest whip of his career um by the way there is a former twin that's ahead of him in the era standings um you know who that guy is Number three overall in the American League. Oh, yeah, our good old friend, uh, Kyle Gibson. And what, what's that ERA? <laughs> I'd have to look it up. It's like, two it's like, two... like, it's like 2.15. Yeah. <laughs> like, you mentioned that the other day, and I was like, what? Kyle Gibson? And you go to his base, baseball reference page, and it's like 5.4, 4.8, 4.2, 4. 4.6. And he goes to Texas. Maybe it's the warm weather. Maybe Kyle just needed a little bit of uh, yeah, that Texas sunshine. Him. But maybe he should have waited till this year. I mean, this year was like Texas weather for, you know, at least a few weeks. You'd have a good run there at least, yeah. right? Yeah, we did have some <laughs> Texas weather in, in, in late May and early June this year. But, you know, I think about, so what is it about Barrios this year compared to prior years where he's been good, if a little bit inconsistent, and he's getting more ground out balls than any time in his career and batters are missing or taking the top of the ball off. And like, you know, our infield defense is actually pretty solid this year. But the thing that people forget about is that he's developed a bit of a changeup. So you've got a four-seamer fastball that is among, I think, one of the best fastballs from a starting pitcher in, in the league. He's got a curveball that, if he's on, breaks really hard. Like last 20 feet, it might break a foot down, down and away, right? And mm-hmm. now he's got a bit of a changeup so he can go off speed as well to kind of you know conceal that that fastball. And I think his ability to develop a third go-to pitch, I think the four-seamer is accounts for 57% of his pitches this year, the curveball 31%, um, and the changeup is between 12 and 13, which is the highest of his career. Like, when you go between two pitches that are your go-tos to three, if you're not hitting your spots, it's a little bit easier to kind of be able to, um, you know, play your poker cards differently when you've got better cards in your hand, Right. And yeah. I think that's why he's been more consistent this year. Now, does he deserve the money? Because his contract ends at the end of 2022, which was your point. Isaac, he's been a steal. 55 wins. He's made $11 million in six seasons. The Twins, the penny pension poll ads, took him to <laughs> arbitration last year over a half million dollars. They, they're paying him $6.25 million, which is like more than he's made in the five previous years combined. And he wanted six point seven five, And it ended up in arbitration, which tells you, you got to kind of wonder, like once we get back into contract talks, like that's going to be in the back of his mind. But I was absolutely astounded by the number of articles that I read in the last few days that said that he was a guy that the twins might trade. And I'm just like, yeah. for a team that struggles with Shoemaker and Hap and Pineda can't stay <laughs> on the field and Maeda and like for a, a, an organization that has such a hard time finding good starting pitchers, maybe not aces, like it's a no brainer to me. You pay this guy. Well, at this point, does, does he want to be here? I mean, he obviously hasn't signed a contract yet. So is it a matter of maybe he wants to test his luck in, in free agency? Cause I mean, just like you said, he's a good, he's a good starting pitcher. So maybe he thinks he can get more money in free agency. And then, well, at that point, we completely lose out on the asset. So to me, it's not like super shocking that he'd be in, you know, the the trade market. But do I want him to be traded? I 
I mean, I don't think so. I'm, I'm definitely a fan for him signing a contract here and staying based, you know, based off of his, his numbers and what he's done for us. But at the same time, you got to start wondering, maybe he's the one that's pushing it more and more to free agency. And at that point, like, does the Twins organization just have to, like, take the step forward and say, okay, we get this and we're probably not getting him back. So let's get some prospects for him and hope we can maybe fill, you know, a young pitcher in that, that slot, even that'd be a lot of years down the road and kind of a gamble, but I'm going to, are we sure? Are we sure he wants to stay? Two words, two words of caution to you about guys that we hope, right? That's the key word. (laughs) Trevor may a guy that we hoped and that we hope Trevor may. I like that guy. Yeah, I mean, he was fine. He was fine. I just like you're a mid market team. It's going to be really hard for you to go out into the market and buy an ace. So yep. you're you're pretty much relegated to buying, like the best you're going to get on the the free agent scrap heap is probably a third, you know, a third guy in your rotation. If you're lucky, maybe a two. So then you're down to development. And how many guys, you know, from draft picks to development in the minors actually turn out to be guys that you can hang your hat on in the major leagues. He's a guy you can hang your hat on. Is he an ace? No, but there's two things that I'm asking myself and my Jose Barrios. Number one, like, why are you taking me to arbitration over a half million dollars? Like I'm sure (laughs) Falvey in his front office had their reasons, but in a, in a mid market with a guy that's, you know, kind of leading your rotation, it's pennies. Right. Secondly, does he believe in this team's ability to get to the playoffs consistently? I mean, if I were him, I think we've been there the last two years. We haven't got it out of the first round, but yeah. Right. Well, I I still think the idea or the the question is like, does he want to sign? Because if he doesn't want to sign, he's going to keep pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off. Like we'll see him one more year and then he'll be in free agency the year after. So I'm hoping the twins can figure out Barrios's, you know, group is saying in terms of like do they truly want you know are they interested in signing or is it a matter of no i'm just gonna wait till free agency but um just like a little like kind of thing to think about too and why you know he could still become an ace um i was looking at a a pitcher that like to this point to this age he has like similar stats to if not slightly better um and that guy is max scherzer so through through the age of twenty seven, good old Max Scherzer, who's an ace ace pitcher today. Um he had an ERA of around three point eight eight, so okay, like I guess a little bit better than than Berrios, but zero all star appearances, so I mean he wasn't really anywhere on the map in terms of that. Berrios already has two. But after the age of twenty seven is when Scherzer became a lights out ace. Since that age, he's had an ERA of two point eight three. He's had seven all star appearances and three Cy Young Awards. So, I mean, that was all after the age of 27. Berrios is 27, and we've seen he has wicked stuff. It's not like it's far-fetched to think, you know, he could be an ace. We haven't seen it yet. We haven't. I mean, we've, we've seen little, little, you know, traces of it. But Okay. So, it, Isaac, I, you know, I, I don't know if you remember, but I mentioned Max Scherzer as a comparison in the Twins preview um, earlier in the year. And... yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to mention the other pitchers that are in that same group, similar pitchers through 27. Tell me which ones you recognize. Chris Tillman, Darthiel Cooper, Wade Miller, Ricky Nolasco, Russ Ortiz, Kyle Hendrick, Bobby Jones, Derek Holland, Eduardo Rodriguez. How many of those guys 
ring a bell to you? I mean, probably about six or seven, honestly, but that's only thanks to, uh, you know, MLB The Show, a video game. So I know, I know some of those names. <laughs> right. I mean, so, like, your point is, like, he could become Max Scherzer, and I think that's fair. And he could become Kyle Kendrick. He could become <laughs> Derek Holland. I, you know, but those were a lot of these guys. And I, I, I went to the same spot on baseball reference that you did to pull this yep. up. And I was going through their careers and a lot of them. Um, but a lot of those guys got injured and didn't like their careers didn't play out in a way that they, um, that lined up with like our understanding of who they were. Well, what else is going on with this twins team this year? So our player spotlight was Barrios, but we wanted, we did want to give some time to kind of where the twins are overall. And, 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 you know, we've, we've talked about them pretty extensively in our last podcast, but since then our good friend, our center fielder, our five talent star, Byron Buxton goes down with yet another injury, a 93.7 mile per hour fastball fracturing his wrist against the Cincinnati Reds. Like, was it three or four games into his return? Yeah, I mean, three or four games, he was like, what, four for 11? Had a home run, a double? Like, what's crazy is he missed all that time with injury, and he basically picked up right where he left off before injury. It was an injury that you couldn't, it wasn't one of those, like, I run into the center field fence because I'm, I'm, like, jumping too hard and too fast. Yeah, yeah. Like, this time it actually wasn't his fault. <laughs> but it's just like Byron. Like, the poor guy, I, I feel so bad for him. Yeah, it's it's he's so unlucky, and like hearing Rocco talk about him, or honestly anyone talk about him, and he's like, you know, one of the better guys in baseball. So it like sucks too that, yeah, he still just can't be on the field, especially when we need him. I mean, our bats are are doing pretty good actually. Like, too bad he can't pitch. <laughs> <laughs> He'd probably get hurt. He'd probably throw out his, yeah. his elbow or something. Right. Oh, it's just so unlucky. Like, when is when is that? Like luck in a turn, will it? Are we going to see it in Minnesota? I just I think about the Amazon packages that arrive on my front doorstep, and like they have all those like, you know, like the the air that's like poofed up. Like, can we put that like around like inside of his uniform between his uniform and body? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it make a difference, but I was listening to the Common Man on K Fan earlier this week, and he he was talking about he broke a tooth in spring training. While eating a T-bone this, this March, <laughs> and he had to, is that real? No, he yes, and he had to undergo a root canal. Like, oh my god! Like Byron, you're not supposed to eat the bone. <laughs> oh man, self-inflicted injury. I mean, he's good at that. He he really is. He's he's good at that. But unfortunately, this time around, it was. I mean. It's a little hard to jump out of the way of a 93 mile per hour freight train of a ball. So, you know, you know who he reminds me of, Isaac, like what he reminds me of. In fact, I was married in, in 2015 and we received a, a, a dish set for our, our wedding gift from one of our family members. And it's pre- oh. it's really pretty. And we only break it out for like the best moments. Right. Like this isn't an everyday when the thing. queen comes in when the queen comes to town. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> here's the thing at this point. Like I got coffee cups that have cracks in them. My plates are chipped. I have bowls that are broken, which may or may not be because of a toddler, but like, <laughs> you know, and like the only thing left in the set that's not broken is my silverware. And I kind of think about Byron Buxton and it's like, what left? What, do you, and I, again, he's a guy and he's a human 
and he's going through these injuries and he's experiencing the pain. And for a guy as uber as competitive as he is, he's going through not being able to contribute to the team in a winning way, which eats yeah. away at him. Um, so let me pose this question to you. So we're thinking about it. I mean, I'm not entirely sure it's a fully lost season, although we're now down to under point. 0.1% chance to make the playoffs, by the way. It's looking rough. Yeah. Baseball yeah. reference has us like our low end is 65 wins. Our high end is 80. I think 72, 75, 77 feels like that's what we're going to get this year. So now we start thinking about next year, right? And and our ability to be competitive and the, the, the contracts that are expiring. So we talked a little bit about Barrios, but Buxton is also up. So if the poll ads are thinking about, by the way, Taylor Rogers is too, and so is Sano, and so is Duffy. Um, I'm not sure what the market is for Sano. I'm guessing it's not great. I would agree. <laughs> I hit 150 for the year, and I knock in, you know, walk off home runs. That's that that. You know, he might be he might be David Ortiz though, so we can't we can't get rid of him. How many podcasts in a row have you mentioned David Ortiz in reference to Miguel Sano? So many, because I feel like that's the reason why he's still here. <laughs> Waiting for that breakout year. Here we go. I think Doug McCavage could come out of retirement at like 49 and bat more than 170. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but back to the Byron Buxton, Jose Barrios question. So next year, and 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 and, and this brings in Tyler, Taylor Rogers too. Who are you going to pay? I mean, at this point, um, are we sure Buxton is even going to demand that much money? Like, how how can you pay a guy that's only that only plays in like what, not even half the games every year? Ooh, are you saying he's the forty nine percent of the time on the field, Kevin Molino of the Minnesota Twins? <laughs> Ooh, yeah. But, but he's the Twins react like Minnesota United. Although I guess Molino walked out on his own. Maybe Buxton's going to walk out on his own too. Well, he's still third place in all-star voting in the outfield behind behind uh, Trout and Aaron Judge. And he, Isn't that crazy? All, all those games missed, and he's still he's still being recognized. That's that's awesome. It is awesome, but the league wide perception of him is that like like they don't they don't go through the pain of him not being on the field the way Minnesota Twins fans do, right? <laughs> right. Are we sure his career his career arc isn't what Steph Curry's would have been? If the Minnesota Timberwolves drafted him. Okay. You're going to need me to walk me through this one and the audience. <laughs> well, Steph, Steph Curry, obviously like one of the best, you know, players in, in my generation changed the game. But I mean, the wolves always get ragged on for not drafting him, which rightfully so. But the thing that they talk about is the, the like medicine and stuff out in California and like the training and stuff is like top of the line or like different from what it is in the Midwest. And with Curry's injury history with like his ankles and whatnot, like, are we sure he would have played as much and, you know, been as healthy if he was in a Timberwolves uniform, not getting that kind of special treatment that he gets in California. If he was in Minnesota what, say Buxton is is somewhere else, you know. He's playing for the LA Dodgers. Are we sure he's not? You know, he has maybe one hurt year, two two hurt years. Otherwise, he's played seventy to eighty percent of the games every year. If he's not in a Twins uniform, I wonder though. Uh, most of his injuries have been in the outfield. 
And it's not about yeah. him eating birdseed and like being in like San Francisco and flying in German doctors and being on the beach every other day. It's him making a decision or his inability. And one of my friends, Bob Wagner, by the way, talked to me about this. He who had played center field by the, and he said, one of the big issues with Buxton is that most guys aren't as fast as him. So when there's fly balls into center field and they're running up against the warning track, like there's a step or two on the warning track that alerts them that the wall is there. But Buxton's stride is so long and he's so fast that he doesn't have that alert system because it might be a, a, a step on the grass and he's on the wall, right? <laughs> and it was a really interesting insight. And I, I, I don't think that sending him out West is going to be the cure to his problems. Could be wrong. Just a thought, you know, pretty, you know, I mean, Buxton in terms of talent, like maybe he's not quite Curry level in, in, on the baseball scene, but like, it's just crazy to think like that talent and they always talk about Curry and he didn't really want to go to the Wolves. People didn't think he should because of his injury history. And yet he goes on to have this Hall of Fame career. And, you know, what what would his career have been if it was here in Minnesota? Would it have been Byron Buxton? I just, I just wonder. I don't know. Well, you pay him, and he's Joe Maurer, and you let him go, and he's David Ortiz. <laughs> so I feel like he can't win. <laughs> Minnesota sports wrapped up to a T. All right, that's all, folks. Thanks for listening. All right. <laughs> so, but you didn't ask. Like, I before we move on, the the fundamental question: Buxton or Barrios? If it's one of the two, who do you pay? I mean, I don't love my answer, but I think I'd have to say Barrios just because at least you can count on him being out there. I mean, he's he's got certain categories where he's top 10 in. Like, I know a specific one I, I wrote down was the last three years he's been top 10 in strikeouts per nine innings. He is a good pitcher, and he's barely hurt. You know, knock on wood, I'm not jinxing him here. But um, Buxton, he, I mean, he's an MVP this year if, if he actually plays all the games. But you just can't you can't count on him being out there. I, w- I want Buxton to stick around, and I hope you know we can see him on the field. But it's like if I had to pick one, I think it'd have to go Barrios. Well, the other thing to that, Isaac, is that the Twins are really good at developing position players, particularly in the outfield. Right? Think about Kepler. Yeah, we're a lot think deeper about, there. Yeah. Yeah, and and we have not shown a good track record of being able to draft, develop, and bring in um, and pitchers, especially like starting pitchers that can make it to the front of the rotation. So if I, you know, I would hate to let go of Buxton, but his inability to be on the field combined with our depth um, at position plays, I think you pay Barrios too. You know, at this point, we're what, 11 games under 500. And, you know, here's the thing, Isaac, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question, but, 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 but the month of June, even after a five game win streak, we are 10 and 10, but in early April, we won five of six games. In mid to late May, we won six of seven, and we won five of six in mid to late June. Now, granted, there was a lot of losing in between those, but even with a team that struggles on the back end of their rotation and finding consistency in the bullpen, we have strung together some streaks, three of them in Mm -hmm. three months on the winning side and about five of them on the losing side, (laughs) but... Like, is it, I mean, it, you said in the last podcast, is, is it, is it a fire sale or does this, and this is sort of where I land this front office, I think thinks like, okay, this year is a bit of an aberration. We're coming out of COVID. We've had a lot of injuries. 
we need to make we need to shake up the the lineup a little bit, the rotation a little bit, but we're still not far off. Like a lot of things have gone against us this year. Um so as we move into the next month, July, which is you know traditionally the the buy sell um determining month for most major league teams, what are we going to do? I think I think it should be a, a a light sale. Maybe maybe like a garage sale that's, you know, just getting rid of a few things that aren't going to be needed next year. Facebook Marketplace, baby. Facebook Marketplace, yeah, perfect. But I, I, I feel like a couple of the older guys got to go. I mean, we, we need to find a way to address the, the bullpen in any way, shape, or form. Because there's some guys there that just you can never, you can't trust them. And like, is it something that they're going to turn around next year? I don't feel confident in it, but I think we got to get more arms out there. And I'm not sure who that is. Uh, you know, Nelson Cruz, he's he's getting up there. He's going to be able to help a playoff team. So you'd think he'd be able to, you know, return a pretty good, a pretty, you know, decent haul. So I I think I think not as much a fire sale because we still need to think about, yeah, next year, like this team is still decent enough, especially in our in our batting order. But we need to get some more arms in the pen somehow. So I think that needs to start this year yet. You know, I was thinking about this question, what's going to happen with the Twins this year and what this front office and Derek Falvey is in his fourth year. Rocco Baldelli is in his third year and no team in Major League Baseball history has ever lost 39 of their first 65 games and made their playoff and made the playoffs. So we're not going to make the playoffs. So the bigger question is, do we do we keep the guys we have because we believe in next year or do we sell because we have all of these expiring contracts? with Brios, Buxton, Sano, Duffy, and Rogers, and get, as you said, the assets while we can. And if I compare that to like the tenure of our manager and our GM, I think they're all in. I think this is going to be like the Vikings with Spielman and Zimmer. Like, I think this is going to be an all-in team this year and next. I don't think we're going to, really? I don't think we're going to build for the future. No, no, their jobs are going to be on the line. And so you think so you so you think minor minor changes this year yet? So not not many trades. Is that what you're saying? I could see Nelson Cruz going. I could see Taylor Rogers going, um, because you know we've got other arms in the pen. Taylor Rogers has been the best. Don't get me wrong. Like that guy. I how do you replace that lefty arm though in the bullpen? You don't. We don't have many of those. But he's got value on the trade market. Not many teams have an arm like him on the lefty side in the bullpen. So like, yeah. if you're going to bring in value. What, where do we need to bring in value? Not in the lineup. We need to bring in value. Like the thing is, do you trade a bullpen guy to get something else when your bullpen is a big part of the problem? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Rogers has been good, but he's still not the answer, right? Like he can't quite be our closer, but he's a good setup man. So at that point, I don't know. If you have a setup man but not a closer, what's the point of a setup man? Well. W- is the problem the way we look at him the same way with Barrios? Like we keep looking at him as an ace, but maybe he's just a 15 year guy that wins 180 games for you and is your solid two or three starter for all those seasons. Like that's not insignificant. Same in the bullpen. Like you want a closeout guy and Rogers has kind of been that. And so we want to put him in that role, but he's having a career year. He has nine earned runs in 30 innings, right? But I, here's another thing. You just like Barrios, you type in Google News and you type in Rogers, and like 
the first five hits are the Mets and the Braves and the Dodgers and the Giants blog saying, how can we get this guy? So clearly he has yeah. value, you know, right. um, but he has the best strikeout rate of his career as well as the lowest walk totals during his career with the Twins so far. And he's in the hundredth percentile in inducing swings outside the strike zone. So, you know, I guess you got to get value. You got to give value to get value. You got to spend money yeah. to get money, right? Like, who is it? I, starting pitching is more yeah. of a commodity than the bullpen and and the road to and the position players in my mind. So I think you got to hang on to Barrios. Yeah, yeah, especially the Twins and like how how we struggle to find fill out our rotation. So I I agree. I just hope he wants to be here. That's my only worry because I've I've heard some r- rumors that he's going to take it to free agency regardless. So that that's where it gets hairy and it's like if we know that then maybe we do trade him and just hope that we get something in return that someday is going to live up to what Barrios, you know, what his production is. But that's such a gamble. So <laughs> Well, Isaac, the Minnesota United is at the top of their game and they have been for 5 games now and that's who we're going to talk about after break. All right, and we're back from break, and we're going to talk about the Minnesota United, a team that is on a five-game unbeaten streak. Three wins, two ties, and most importantly, 11 points. And suddenly, we've jumped to 11th in the Western Conference, and another three points, we could be right around playoff contention, Isaac. So after an awful start to the year and up until the international break, you know, some positive signs, what are you thinking about this Minnesota United team? Come on, you loons! Oh man, that was still well, first that off, was still a little bit but, off off key, but I'll, I'll give it to you. You know what? That's fine. I don't even care anymore. But can I just want to start with finally going back to a game was tremendous. That stadium being packed and the Wonderwall rocking. Oh, there's just nothing like it. My gosh, we stood in line. NFL? No, no, listen to this. Like we 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 got to the parking lot about ten minutes before the game started. Right? Yeah. And we get to the stadium, and there's, what, lines that are 70 or 80 people deep? At least. And we're just like, cool. Like, like yeah. we're here. We're among people. We're around we're people. Exactly. Like, think about last year at this time. In June of 2020, the state was lumbering out of a, of a, of a shutdown. And what yeah. we said to ourselves all winter long was like, I hope these vaccinations work. I hope that the society can open up. And it happened like, you know, yeah. like we're so like, I know the fight's still going on, but the fact of the matter is the state loosened restrictions, at least outdoor stadiums can be filled. And we went into Allianz field in downtown St. Paul. What did you feel? Oh, the energy. I got, I got, you know, goosebumps. And you said you got goosebumps just like looking back at the game, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. I, I took, I, we, we took both a lot of videos, but I was watching some of them that I posted on social media today after the game. And I was just like, Man, it's been so long since we've been in that kind of environment. And it's just good for us as a people to be able to yeah. like, like to, to see. And like all the comments in my social media posts were like, you guys look so happy. It's because we were, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it, immensely, you know, and, and it, it like you don't under necessarily understand the impact that the pandemic has had because we've all been in crisis mode now for 15 months. And like, we're just, and, and, and this is the resiliency of the human 
spirit is that you push through, like you figure out a way and we've all figured out a way. But when we walked into that stadium last night, Isaac, I was like, we've been figuring out a way for a long time. And it's really nice to have this release and the joy, the joy, the joy of the sport, the joy of the people and the joy of the win. And I I came home with that last night with my soul filled. And that's like, it might sound cheesy, but that's exactly the truth. It's real. Yeah. And like, not only was it good for us and the fans, but I think all of us being there, like how good was that for the players? Like the way they played, the way they started off that game. I mean, you could, you could tell that they had just a little extra energy, like a little extra juice with all the, the, the fans yelling behind them. Well, cause Isaac, I, especially go, no, finish your thought. I was just saying, especially that first half. I mean, it, I feel like the stats at the end of the game don't even give justice to how they came out, you know, firing that, that first half. Cause I feel like possession was, you know, being generous 65 35 in our favor like we were always on the attack and with our with our combinations and Reynoso pairing up with the the new guy Fragapane am I saying that right I probably won't that's fine Uh, (laughs) and and the new guy um, who I pronounced you know Hunoi but I guess it's who knew you know who knew who knew it was who knew that was the joke at the stadium last night his name is Hanu Adrian Hanu which you've pronounced as Hanoi, and the joke is, who knew? Okay. Who knew? <laughs> right. But, I mean, it, it looked good to see. It was basically our, to me, it's it's our first team minus two guys who are, you know, still coming back from international duty. But even you couldn't tell. Like, no one missed a beat. Even the, the players who filled in for our, our two starters who were out, like, everyone was firing. And so Heath had these guys ready, and along with that, like, they could tell that they had this extra energy behind them. And I mean, it was, it was a hell of a game, hell of a first half. I mean, we scored what are two goals in the first 18, 20 minutes. Well, we got our beers and like, once we got through those 80 people getting into the stadium, we settled in about five minutes into the game. Right. And, 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 and got a beer and a water and we sat down and it was like, boom, boom. And it was like two zero. Right. It's like, oh my gosh. No, it, and it was so great because you know on when you're on the Wonder Wall and in the in the in the loon score, like it's a thing. Right? Yeah. It's a party. And I just I, yeah. I guess it, relative to like what I haven't felt since the last time I've been there, like experiencing that first goal, you know, with mm. like the flags flying and the chants going and the smoke and the billowing smoke. like yeah. out, you know, and it was like, <laughs> okay, we're back, we're back, right? And that I think that the the players and you know you made the point that the defense was going to be early in one of our earlier podcasts the defense was really going to feed off the energy of the crowd the defense has been there you know last yeah. year the year before crowds no crowds bubble in Orlando whatever have you the defense shows up it was the attack it was our offense that like mm-hmm. like I think really like the energy was was incredible and 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 what it accounted for that and this is what I'm really most impressed by with Heath and the front office in general is that for two years now because like for two years we were kind of the, the you know the, the the joke of of MLS but the last two years we have been a very competitive team built on defense built on on goalkeeping but we're going on after a lot of international guys right Hanu is from France. Fragapene, Argentina. Reynoso, 
Argentina. And we keep, he kept talking about reinforcements. Guess what? They've arrived. The Calvary's here. Yeah. The Calvary is here. Yeah. And the Calvary put in two goals because Braga Penny scored one of those goals on a cross mm-hmm. from um, uh, Metanair, right? Yeah. And then the other goal was Fraga Penny on a corner with a new header. And it was, yeah. it was, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we have a, we have a good old friend from, he's originally from Peru and he was, he was given, you know, um, who knew <laughs> he was giving him crap cause he hadn't scored yet. And he was like having all these opportunities, perfect scoring chances. And this guy, Carlos is his name was constantly on him like, oh, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's not good. Like he's, he's not putting these chances away. And if you're a striker in the MLS, you got to be able to put him in the back of the net. But Isaac, you made the, well, guess you what? made the point, you made this point last podcast about Hanu that he hadn't played for seven months. Right. And right. the league he was coming he's from. He's still getting his legs under right. him. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he finally connected on it and it was beautiful header off of, off of a corner kick. And I mean, the, this, this Franco guy, like what a spark of energy. Like that guy's dangerous inside inside the box, and he's no bigger than you know an oversized trash can. Like <laughs> that guy is tiny. What is he five six? I got I got to look this up actually because he is just a little man. But he is he he almost scored again in the start of the second half. He ripped a shot off in the eighteen and and sent it off the the crossbar. Right. Well, he's fast. He has a strong leg. And he's a guy and that is always looking for opportunities, right, to score. Not unlike Nico Hansen. And I think, yeah. I, you know, I think about Hanu. And so Fragapene and Hanu are our recent acquisitions. And he's 5'5", five, five, by the way. So he's 5'5". Five, five. <laughs> he's a little dude. He's a little dude. But that allows him, I think, his low center of gravity. He can get around people. He's a good dribbler. Yeah. He's, he's, just, yeah. he's just a guy. He, he's, he's always looking to score. And Hansen. And you talked about him a little bit last time, but man, when you see him in person, he's mm-hmm. fast. He can dribble. He has a strong boot, and he's he's also always looking to make a play. And I think to myself, man, when Robin when Robin Lode gets back to Minnesota after his time playing for the Finnish national team, which by the way came within 15 minutes of qualifying mm. for the round of 16, man, mm. all they needed to do was hold that draw against Belgium. Uh, which they did through 75 minutes, but Belgium just too much talent, knocked him out two <laughs> zero, and and uh, and 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 he's coming back to Minnesota. But you put you know Reynoso in the middle, right? Yeah. And you line Fragapene is going to be on your left, yeah. right? Yeah. And then probably you know Lode's going to be back on the right. But you, if you could bring a guy off the bench like Hansen, and you can bring a guy off the bench like Avila. You know, or you can bring a guy off the bench like Hayes. Yeah. And you, this team, this team is deep. Our friend, by the way, last night there was four of us at the game. Carlos, our friend from Peru, and then Phil, who's one of your friends, and he was just talking about like the guys coming off the bench are as good as the guys that are in the game. Like, when have we been able to say that? Yeah, right. It's like pretty solid talent overall. Like, I, I feel like we're pretty deep, and I feel like we said that on our preview season preview. Like, we felt this year that we were a pretty deep team, and. I mean, it's like such a luxury to have. Like, anytime you can make Heath's like the manager's job difficult in terms of who they have to pick, like it's it's not a dead set. That I mean, that's a luxury. Like, you want to have that because, like, at any point, if anyone goes down, guess what? We have someone there that's you know at at just about equal talent. 
So it's it's truly a luxury, and it seems like it's finally paying off. At the beginning of the year, it was like, you know, what's going on? <laughs> this could be a train wreck of a year, but they they found a way to turn it around. And yeah, I, I love how you know we're playing this well right now without two at least two of our main starters, Gregush and, and Lode. So like to get those guys back, and now Heath has to decide who do I sit. Well, you know, I I, I got to mention one more guy because I. Before we move on, two guys that we've missed. I, I think it could potentially be three because uh, Yuka Ratala. Mm. Am I saying that right? As you like to say, close enough. <laughs> so he he was playing center back right when Debasi was out alongside of, like Coleman and him were in and out of the lineup. Yeah, and I don't know how much of the the Euros you that you've been able to to catch, but he's been starting for the Finnish national team at right um, wing back. Mm-hmm. And he's been like he puts on that Finnish national jersey, and this is a guy I don't recognize. Like <laughs> he was impactful, and he started three games in the Euros. And is he our third or fourth best center back? If that's where we put him, so I, I just I, I kind of wonder like when he comes back, is he going to be in the rotation as well? On and like, just adding more depth to that back line because you know thinking about where the depth is across this team, like you know we've got one or two guys you know, on the back line and the midfield and on the front line that you can sub in and out and kind of mix and match your rotations and mix and match your formations. Like Mm -hmm. that's going to make us, I think a dangerous team, the second half of the MLS season. Yeah. And even another guy that who played in this last game started this last game and who's not going to be a starter once everyone comes back is Asani Dotson Mm. and he's dangerous. I mean, I I listened to a podcast um, sound of the loons and they had the uh, real salt Lake manager on there which his name is escaping me, but um, he's one of the guys that that guy brought up was how like it's it's hard to game plan for Minnesota United because they have a guy like Dotson who they can fill in in any position, and he he's a, he's enough of a difference maker to where like you have to pay attention to him wherever he's at, but you don't know where he's going to be. Well, he was selected for the USA team to go to the Gold Cup, not as like he, he's one of the finalists. He and Gasper. Yeah. By the way, if Gasper plays, they should probably consider, you know, figuring out if Debasi can get a change in his <laughs> dual, his um, dual citizenship, citizenship yeah. <laughs> so that he can go along with him. But you know, Dotson, because our, you know, you vote, you, you talked about him as a utility infielder in our last podcast. If you've got a solid front line like Fragapene, Hansen, Hanu, like Reynoso, kind of midfield, but like point guarding, you know, our attack. Yeah. You can put Dotson in the midfield, and as we saw last night, like Dotson's going to find his spots. Yeah. He's technical enough to be a midfielder, but if you need him on the attack, he'll do it. But I feel like, and this was your point early, like um, last time, he's kind of if if you're able to put him into your midfield, that's a true luxury. I mean, that guy is like he's quick, like he's creative. And he makes a lot of the right passes, right? Yeah. And he never gives up the ball. Yeah, he's a little bit like uh, Will Trap that way. He's just solid. Everyday Will. <laughs> Everyday Will. Don't forget about him either. I mean, he's kind of filling in for Ozzy's spot. So, and he's doing a great job. I mean, you don't talk about him because he's not flashy. Like he, he is what he is. He makes the right passes, makes the right plays. He's not too big, you know. He's not too fast, but he's going to be there every game and make the right plays, and you just kind of forget about him. But to have those guys that just go in and do their job right, like that, I mean, you, you got to appreciate that too. So, 
No, you do. You do. And, and, and one thing we have to also appreciate the re one of the big reasons why we're doing as well as we are is the guy keeping the net, right? Tyler. Uh, yeah. Like talk to me a little bit about him. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's come on and he's kind of shut the door. I don't like he's, what, what is he allowed to, is it two goals in the last, is it Five. one or two goals in the last how many games? I think we tied the two games. We tied one and one were the only yeah. two goals he allowed. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, I mean, you got to give a lot of props to our defense too, but he's made some pretty great saves. He's been in the right spots at the right time. It seems like the defense is responding well to him barking out orders. So, I mean, I think that's like more important than anything. And you got to really pay attention to that because if, if he's able to corral his group in the back, like that's what's most important. You got to have a leader back there and a voice that those guys listen to. And I've, I've, no, I've, I've talked about this before, but, but, but Isaac, but, they're only going to listen to him like like so long, right? As long as he's making stops, he's getting saves, right? That's going to reinforce him his voice on the field. And yeah. he, the, your point was he he seems like he has this he's he comes off the line at just the right moment. And there was a, a play against Austin last night where in the first half, I think it was like in the between our two goals, so it was like in the thirteenth minute. And he was basically one-on-one -on -one against an Austin forward. And like the guy was coming, you know, attacking the net. And he just jumped off his line and it was a, a foot save and he blocked it above the net and he's seen balls through traffic and he seems confident and complete control of his goalkeeping, which then to your point, Isaac translates to his leadership on the back end, mm -hmm. right? Because if you're letting balls sail, sail through, you can bark all you want. <laughs> but they're going to be like, you're a chihuahua yeah. and like, shut up. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's got the defense's back and the defense is his back right now. And, and as long as we can keep that, that relationship going, man, I'm, I'm sorry for St. Clair and as well as he did last year, but this is Miller's team as long as he can ride with it. Well, I think we're, we're more optimistic. It, 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 now than we've been at any point this year about the Minnesota United because of the guys that we have coming back from European competition and because of the guys that we've signed, particularly on the offensive end. And, you know, um, as long as we stay healthy, I think we're going to make a push towards the playoffs. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's inevitable. We're, we're going to be there. It, especially if we have this attack that's actually able to put, put goals away and, you know, Fra Franco scoring a goal in each of the last two games, like, do we have our Molino replacement? Well, what's the replacement for losing your first round draft pick? Oh, I if got you're this. the Minnesota Timberwolves. I got this. It is, it is Leon, Leandro Balmero. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to need you to work on that name because you butchered <laughs> it. So we're going to move in to finish out the pot today. A little bit of talk about the NBA draft lottery and, Kind of the, the response of Timberwolves Nation to us losing this pick that Golden State got. Like, it was a top three protected, protected pick. We had a 28% chance of retaining it. Even if we hadn't tanked, our best percentage would have been 40%. It was number seven overall. Uh, to me, it hurts a lot less that they got number seven than they got number four. Yeah, I mean, I think we knew this was coming. Like, I... I... To to me, like people being being shocked and and a little like upset about it is like, well, it was kind of the inevitable unless we were like one of the worst teams in the league 
we knew we were going to lose this pick. So, you know, maybe you can look back at the trade and say, was D'Lo worth it? And getting rid of Wiggins worth it? You know, to me, that's a bit up in the air yet. I don't think you can put a finger on whether D'Lo is worth it or not. We've seen glimpses of it being great. We've seen glimpses of it being really bad. Uh, to me, the, the, you know, you got to pay attention more to he's a piece. You know, he's a piece alongside Cat. And, you know, seeing Edwards this last year, he's a piece alongside Edwards. We need to see more of it. I don't think you can really justify if the trade was was good or bad at this point. So let's talk about the trade. Let's just talk about D'Lo Wiggins first. So who's the better player? Wash. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's kind of my opinion. Like, D'Lo's a better playmaker, scoring similar. Wiggins, surprisingly, like, he's evolved into a better defender. I mean, he was a good defender coming out of Kansas. Couldn't defend, you know, to save his R's for the Timberwolves. And, you know, he's he actually got one second-team All-NBA defense vote this year. Also, Golden State got our first-round draft pick. And they got our second-round draft pick, too. That's what the thing people don't talk about very much. Seems like too much, if you ask me. Yeah, I guess it depends what you're going for. How how bad do you want how da, how bad do you want Cat to be happy and stick around? That's my question to you. Okay, so now we're talking about basically making all of our franchise decisions, meaning bringing in D'Angelo Russell, a friend of Carl Anthony Towns. And what has Towns done for this franchise? So you're basically making all of your front off office decisions to keep Cat happy. And outside of the Jimmy Butler year, which Jimmy Butler was the leader, and yep. he was like, I don't want to call it the singular reason, but he was the most important reason why that team won 47 games that year and was the number eight seed in the playoffs. What has Cat done? What has Cat done? He's never won 40 games. He's never qualified for the playoffs. And so now we're making trades to bring in guys that make him happy, right? Mm-hmm. It's like he's Jason Tatum or he's Devin Booker or he's, you know, one of the, like, he's a Kawhi Leonard. Like, he's like, it's like the, the friend, and, and maybe this is part of the complex of being Minnesota. Cat is brilliant offensively, but the criticism, I don't criticize the team for going for wins at the end of this year. Like we could have like tanked, we could have, pulling out guys said they were injured. We could have pulled in Orlando, right? Who traded their top three guys tanked harder than anyone. And by the way, they had top three odds. Guess where they ended up at number five. (laughs) So like your point has been all along, like there's no guarantee that you're going to get the pick that you have the highest percentage for, but the verdict's out. But to me, Andrew Wiggins' D'Lo is probably a wash in terms of impact on winning. You throw in those two draft picks, and my reaction in the moment is a lot like what most Timberwolves fans are saying. Like, Rosas, how could you? But depending on the way that the season unfolds next year, if we can stay healthy, please stay healthy, (sighs) right? Like, And, you know, if Ant develops into... You know, our, we see signs of him becoming a bona fide alpha and cat's cat and D'Lo is the playmaker we thought he could be. And then we have all these like rotation guys that we picked up, you know, in the end of the first round or in the second round or who are undrafted. It's very forgivable that we make this trade. So I think next season is it, it's going to be the jury on whether or not this was the right decision to make. 
because half the country, you know, is is ragging on the wolves. You know, a lot of uh, wolves diehards are saying, like, let's wait it out. A lot of the, you know, the media in Minnesota is saying we need to see more. And I think that's the case. Mm -hmm. And so I think we're going to look to 2021, 22, and we're going to see how this team performs. And the players that are on the court at this point, outside of Cat, the ones that are making a difference are all Rosas picks. And, you know, we're going to be able to judge him for what he's brought in and what he hasn't. And I think at that point, we can make our determination about whether or not this was the right move. Mm, agreed. Patience is hard with the Wolves, but we just need a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Let's see what next year brings. <laughs> Which could also be a motto for the Timberwolves. But you know what? <laughs> Let's use it one more time. One more time. One more time. That's always the motto of Minnesota sports next year. <laughs> next All right, Isaac. Well, as we always do, we're going to let you take us out tonight on the pod. Yeah, thanks for listening. I uh, uh, hope you guys enjoyed the pod and stay safe out there. <laughs>